Welcome to episode 608 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 608 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Pretty good. Had a haircut. Had a haircut. That's a few greys, mate. There's more than a few. Bloody hell. Oh, you don't know that grey? Yeah, no. It's but I'm starting to get a few sprinkles up top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's coming. It's good haircut. I like the haircut. Thank you. Because normally when you get a haircut... You, you guys got to picture this. Yeah, yeah. You, you normally go pretty short on top. Mm-hmm. But this time they've gone... Short on the sides, yep. length at the top. Oh, and actually, John, speaking of this, <laughs> you'll notice mine's short on top right now. Right. And I went to my hairdresser and I said, look, I want to keep it a length in the top. Didn't listen. Should have got your hairdresser. There you go. Cheeky browns. Hair. Cheeky browns. How much do you pay? 25 bucks. I think. Oh, man, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I paid I think it was something like that. Maybe it was more than that. 40 for a haircut. I'm not happy with it, tell you. Anyway, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by xendurance.com. Extreme Electric Buffer. Our patrons. Let's name a few, Jumbo. John, the Mountain Snail, also Mr. Swim Run these days. That's coming up soon, isn't it? There's several coming out. There's one this weekend in New Zealand. So we have the Brecker down in Wanaka. Bastards put it on the same date as my Sea to Sky Challenge this weekend. Uh, and then there's another one in the Bay of Islands. First time they've done it up there. So it'll be interesting. I Both think. on the same day? No, no. They're there and that's in April. Oh, okay. Uh, we've got Daniel Great Expectation Dickinson. And Paul Madman Mitchell. He's a madman, Paul Mitchell. Actually, he sent an email. It's got at the end of the day show. Very good. That worked out well, didn't it? Mm. Hey, bloody genius. And this week, we've got some news. We've got a discussion. We great discussion of the week last week, John. <laughs> Maybe our highest ever. Potentially. We are there. It was yep. up there. Uh, we have stats. I like your statistic. I thought it was a good one. Okay. Yeah, it's good. good. Uh, we've got Coach's Corner. What are we doing, Jobbo? We are, uh, people aren't listening, Bevan. People are not listening. And you think this podcast is the only way they can consume us. <laughs> We're going back to run, walk, because I see a lot of people, A, not doing it, and B, not doing it correctly. Okay, listen to the coach. Uh, my first try, Wanger of the Week, and question, pretty traditional show, John. John, there's a Kiwi who's dominating the Ironman world right now. He's killing it, but he does this every year, but it is a bit bizarre. No, I, there's a change. You think? Yeah, I, I really do think. I no, think no, in terms of, so, so basically Trenzo Bozzoni went away and won a 70.3 last weekend in Argentina, and this is a week after doing Ironman New Zealand, and then he's backing up and doing another 70.3, I think it's in Mexico. Oh, Mex- you mean just racing a lot? Mexico, yes, yeah, so oh. he's, he's racing a lot. Yeah, I definitely agree, there's a big step up in his performance. Yeah, I think I think we're seeing the next level of Trenzo in the last 18 months, and I think, um, obviously with a new coach, mm. it has been quite powerful for him, but I just, I, you know, like, in my mind, I think, could he, could he win Kona? Now, I know that's a big step and it's a big ask, but that thought happens now. Nobody's ever done that before, as we found out, in terms of going from not being in the podium, but I certainly think he's a podium contender. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's in the conversation more now, isn't he? Mm. You know, in the past, Trento was always this guy who'd have these moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70.3 is a bit different, but nine man, he was, he's kind of struggled to get there. But in this last block, he's just, you know, look at what he's consistently delivering and some pretty phenomenal performances. It's just mind-blowing that you can go out and win a 70.3 the week after winning an Ironman and then back it up again. Now, as I said, he's, this is not really out of the box for him. He does this quite often where he races really regularly. Um, and I think he's he's obviously a smart guy because I bet he's got you know, a lot of bonuses tied to, to yeah. winning performances. And so whenever he's winning, he's 
you know, collecting the paycheck, which we know is not massive, but I guarantee he'll have some really good endorsements behind that. So he'll, it's, it's worth his while racing regularly, and he probably just enjoys it as well. Well, well when you're winning, it's easy to enjoy, isn't it? He just went on Facebook, he put out his super tough conditions out there, kicking off with air temperature at seven degrees in a super hilly bike course. I go and Kennet Road across, and unfortunately, good friend TJ Tolkinson was stuck in no man's land. Legs still felt pretty, feeling leftovers via in New Zealand, but I was glad to be mostly covered and out racing again absolutely loved the race onto the run and it was one of those courses you couldn't find any rhythm with headwind tailwind rolling hills uh run came down to the first shoot with an unbelievable atmosphere pretty emotional and i'm glad that i got the experience in here so, so he won fairly convincingly in the end by uh four, four minutes and this was 70.3 in argentina i saw a little youtube clip just before coming around here and everyone was wearing jackets. It looked beautiful uh, in terms of the scenery, but it looked Cold. pretty fresh and a bit wet. So good on Terenzo. And because of that, he because of his good Kona, because he won Western Australia, That's because he won Ironman right New Zealand, he is number one on the KPR rankings. So, so good. What, what did he win? He won New Zealand? He won New Zealand. He won Western, Western Australia. Australia. And he's got Ironman result in there as well. Because where did he get an Ironman? Uh, six, seven, six, something six, like eight. that, or somewhere around, around about that. And uh, so he's on top. Lionel Sanders second, Sebastian Keenlay third, Patrick Lang fourth, and James Kahnemar fifth. And then on the, the girls' side, currently on the KPR, uh, Daniela Reef is obviously she because she won the world champs uh, and Bahrain 70.3. She is first, Lucy Charles second, Kaiser Sali third, Sarah Crowley fourth and Carrie Lester fifth. Now these rankings really don't mean much. I think the athletes care whatsoever about them other than getting uh, getting the points and making sure they're on the start line. It's just always interesting to go on here to see who's already validated this early in the season. And it's normally around 3,700, isn't it? Well, it's quite different for the male, males and females. So if they had equal... On yeah, well, the, John, yeah. it's, it's disgusting in today's yes. time. Uh, so Kai's like a few of the females that have already qualified. Kaiser Sali, Carrie Lester, Liz, oh, Green, Liz mean you're Green means you've qualified. Okay. Um, Melissa Halstead, uh, Jocelyn McCauley, and then the ones that have possibly got enough points is Maureen Half. she's got 4,775 points down in 12th but those girls uh, you know they can basically clip their you know book their tickets to Kona and they're pretty much on their way Terenzo on the guys side no, they can't be right because Patrick Land's got red yeah but he hasn't done an Ironman you've got to do an Ironman to validate Oh, even if you won the World Championship. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So Terenzo, okay. Lionel and Keenlay have all uh, clipped their ticket, along with Ivan Rana, Igor, Emilio, and possibly uh, Matt Charbot is down in 13th place with 3,600 points. So those are the only guys that have validated at this stage that will probably have enough points. Uh, it's bloody tough if you... I know, I think what's happened here is green means you've raced an Ironman, red means you haven't. It has, that's what I said. You validated. Oh, no, valid, validated. Oh, validated. Yeah, but you haven't qualified. Okay, yes. Sorry. Red, sorry. you've got those points, but you've got to do an Ironman okay. to, to click them off. So I was just going to say, like, it's just it's re if you cock up a little bit or you have a feel that's really, really strong, for example, you know, Mike Phillips, he's won a 70.3, he got second in Barcelona, and still had a solid race at Ironman New Zealand, but it was a quality field, and I think he finished fifth maybe yeah. uh, and so he's going to have to go and do another Ironman so he's going to have to have three Ironmans in his legs um, to try to get to Kona I would say might scrape in with another 70.3 but probably could be on, on the sort of the borderline someone like Braden Curry who bombed out in Kona um, with a puncher and I, th I can't remember if he got a drafting penalty or not I think it might have just been a puncher um, 
and then he got sick for Iron Man New Zealand. He's you know he's even on the list. He's he in no man's list. land. Is he on the list? Uh, he'll be there somewhere. He'll have some points from something. So it's not easy to get to Kona if you don't have a Kona result or a, a really good late season result. Uh, so some ways you think this new system, you go out there and you bloody win a race uh, from next year on. You're so in. On the Britain's got two thousand points. Yeah, it's not really. No, it's not a huge amount. No. Um, John, hmm. you're the new coach of Torrento Brazoni. What do you have any plans do you have for the rest of the year? Uh, we seem to work pretty well last year. I think just business as usual. It's more probably just the tweaks in his training that he's made that have already given him that sort of step up. Um, but, you know, I think he was pretty close last year. I mean, I know he's I mean, not on the podium. And racing-wise? Oh, Would you give him to do just whatever works. Right no, no, I wouldn't, but... What does he know? He did rote last year, didn't he? Yeah. He didn't do that well in rote. So I'd probably, yeah, got to do what works for the athlete, but I'd probably just be doing 70.3s if I was him. Okay. Um, we've got a few pieces of other random news. Uh, Pete Colson sent through that Tyler Butterfield's going to be racing at the Commonwealth Games Marathon. Now, was that a training or was that, an, was that a race he did, 2.14? No, that was just training session. It wasn't a wasn't Was it a, a full marathon? No, 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 no. Oh, no. So, yeah, right. so that's going to be interesting. We've always had that question, you know, what can some of our very good Ironman athletes run in fresh marathon if they prepare specifically for it? And we assume that Tyler Butterfield is preparing specifically. So he races for Bermuda and... Uh, he won't affect, you know, for example, if you're a New Zealander, to make it to the Commonwealth Games will be a very tough qualifying time that you'll have to meet. Mm. And, you know, that will essentially probably get you, I don't know, um, in the top half of the field, certainly. Otherwise, they won't send you. Slightly different story for Bermuda, where they probably haven't got that many athletes. So, you know, if Tyler Butterfield was racing for any one of the main countries, he certainly wouldn't make it. But good on him for getting out there and giving a crack. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what he can bang out uh, at the Gold Coast, which is in about, I don't know, three or four weeks. Well, another piece of news. I was trying to think what New Zealand's qualification time is, but I just can't really find it here. I'm going to say... About two fifteen as a guess. Yeah, I can't. I can't find. I'll be saying it'd certainly be sub two twenty. I would have thought. Um, so on that front, we got some news just through by email this morning, just saying that Super League and ITU have signed a memorandum of understanding. Now, <clears throat> a lot of it was around drugs, but the one interesting thing around that came through with this is that they are saying. We're going to try to work together as much as possible to do a timetable for the year, work the calendar, so we can. Well, it's probably more for a Super League because ITU are going to do what they're going to do, yeah. but that Super League can make this season work. And, and it's a pretty great thing, really, isn't it? Well, it is. It's, it's great from the ITU's perspective, you know, being inclusive, ensuring um, equality between the genders, which uh, which is which is great, and they had that at the last race, uh, ensuring this consistency of rules. So the pros, you, you, you know what to expect when you turn up to the race, doesn't look Mickey, Mickey Mouse, just little things like the starting procedure. So you know ITU have got it all down-packed. It's like you probably blow a whistle, you've got three officials on the line, boom, boom, boom. The athletes get used to and know exactly what's um, what's going to happen and just lots of little detail things. And uh, as you said, working around the calendar, I, I, I agree with you. I think ITU will do what they need to do, um, but they'll they'll try to be as inclusive and with uh, Super well, League as I possible. I think it's really cool because one of the downfalls of what's happened with the Olympics is innovation in the sport moved away. And, you know, ITU have done a couple little innovations like teams and, you mm-hmm. know, and they've got sprints and stuff. But what Macca and the team at Super League have done is they've really gone back to the Australian model of let's try lots of cool things with racing. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple of years, we've seen what Super League has to offer to the sport of triathlon. And it's really 
added another dimension to the sport and and especially because we're getting the top guys doing it you know mm. like the super league races have been really interesting been really fun to watch it's it's really entertaining kind of spectating for us people who love sport and probably more so for everyday people who don't love the sport and ITU haven't really spent that much time innovating because I've got to stick to a model that's going to yeah. work to the Olympics. <clears throat> and so the fact that ITU can work alongside Super League and say, let's let's make this work in a way that's best for both parties, then it means we can be innovating the sport and maybe ITU can show the Olympics eventually, look at what we're doing here with Super League. Hmm. And it's, so it's kind of, in some ways, it's a risk-free, risk-free innovation channel for ITU as well. Hmm. You know. I think one of the really big challenges is managed, going to be managing the athletes, athletes yeah. to, to figure out how they can last through the whole season and you know if we get another year down the track and the athletes start going man if I do that Super League in, in March I'm going to be cooked for the grand finale in September then you might get a little bit of pushback obviously money talks and uh, and if the money's there the athletes will be there irrespective I think so good on them good move and I've also got to say with Super League good on them because you know when it first came out you thought cool idea but can they make it work and it's, you know they seem to be kind of progressing in the right path you know we've had a lot of the years how many times have we seen triathlon innovations come through and two years later we never heard of them mm. again so good stuff Mitch Anderson uh, former winner of was it Ironman Western Australia back yes. in like 2005 I think it was uh, he is trying to beat the world record for the 24 hour bike so basically averaging 37 k's an hour doing 890 k's is what he has to beat it's crazy it? so he did set the 12-hour record, I think it was earlier this year, and we we caught up with him. Uh, but this year... Last he, year, you mean? Last year, yeah. sorry, we're in 2018 now. Uh, 890 Ks in one day. That is impressive. Averaging 37 Ks an hour, that would keep, beat the current record. There was a guy who's won the race across America, um, and he set it, I think it was, uh, it was not that long ago. Um, but just out of interest, the... 24-hour track record is 941 kilometers. So wait a second, a day. he's not doing it on a track. He's doing it. He's doing it outside on a on a circuit. So I'm talking the world indoor as in track cycling record is 941 kilometers. Nine. So his world record for 12 hours was 491 k's. Now it's mm. basically this time last year. Mm. And 12 hours. It's gonna be interesting. That's a pretty good effort. It's a pretty good effort. <laughs> Not bad. He's got a pretty interesting stats in his career. So he did a high eight times. Uh, he's got he one bikes course record. So in Western Australia, I'm in Australia. A G-long 70.3 strongman Japan. He did 30 Ironman. He won Ironman Western Australia 2005. Won strongman Japan. Mm-hmm. Is that still a big thing? Yeah, the races in Japan... Uh uh, they sell every year. You never hear anything about them, but uh, there's a, there's a bunch of races in there. They're pretty epic. We won in two thousand nine. He did the court, the Tour de Croft to Melbourne to Perth, and our five time University Blue Cycle Award. So there you go. So good luck to Mitch. He's a bit of a good guy. He's a bit of a character as well. So let us know how you get along. Uh, Aaron, the what's the what's Aaron? interpreter Hurwitz? Yeah. Yep. Uh, he sent us through a link to a ultra that's happening in Israel. I just thought I'd promote this because there's hardly any ultras uh, around the world. This one looks like a very challenging one. So you've got the old 10k swim, 420k bike, and then uh, double marathon run. And it's sort of down the, the same part of the country by the look of it that they have the Israel Man. And I think you're going to find down there it'll probably be a pretty challenging course. So if you don't want one of those ones that's just, uh, you know, 
ride 500 laps of this course and run another sort of 400 when you've done that <laughs> this one looks like it's going to have a bit of a unique challenge certainly I know with the the um, Israel man you know you've got a decent amount of climbing and it's just a bit out of the box you know going to a part of the world where most of us probably would not otherwise go and it's going to be in sort of this time next year in March so check it out <coughs> tuc-israel.com and I've got a link to it in the show notes we've also got Kiwi man this is coming up, so we have mentioned this on the show. So this is a New Zealand version of um, Norseman type thing. You got a three thousand six hundred meter swim. I don't remember talking about this one. I think we just gave a mention. There was no details, oh, okay. and, and there was a picture on there that's of uh, Mount Egmont. Oh, was it Egmont? And, and we were going. Well, we assumed that's where it was, but it didn't really say. So you swim in Lake Rotomanu, uh, and then uh, you go up Mount Taranaki and forty-two k run to finish up at a hut with spectacular views of Mount Taranaki. So there's only a handful of them doing it as a bit of a trial event this year. But if you're in New Zealand or in Australia and you want to go and check out a, you know, an extreme triathlon, it's um, kxtry.com. They've got the terrain map here. <laughs> you're definitely going to be sore at the end of this race. Well, the one thing with the, this one is, unlike, say, some of these overseas races where you can get the, the vernacular thingy down, yep. this one I'm picking, you're probably going to have to walk down so you're finishing up nice and oh. I've thrown in plenty of climbing on the bike there's 3,200 metres of elevation pace. change um, but the run yeah you're finishing up at around about 1,200 metres but you only do that basically in, in the second half marathon mm. so if you look at the terrain basically the first half marathon you, you, it's flat in the second half you're going from zero or maybe 50 metres up to 1,200 metres mm. so that second half marathon is going to be an honest day at the office, John. It is. An honest day at the office. Also, in the little bits of notes we have here, uh, I see the Epic Camp 2019. The dates are set, John. They are. So we're going to France 2019 at the end of July. So it's going to be starting on the 20th of July, finishing on the 31st, starting in Biarritz, which is up on the northwest coast of uh, France and then basically riding through the Pyrenees all the way to the other side uh, and then we'll be heading back to Toulouse on the 31st of March so you'll be riding all the epic not all loads of the epic uh, Pyrenees um, climbs Col de Tourmalet Col de Maurice Blanc, Blanc Col de Bisque um, rides like that and if you want to come get on it because I've already got a good number on the list um, and just email me through epiccamp.com Okay, and then lastly, Manolo said, John's ITU update, Malulabar World Cup. No Brownlee. World Cup. Bra Brownlee was supposed to be racing. Uh, well, he was on the original start list, so Alistair Brownlee. So when do we start to think, come off, this isn't going to happen? Uh, who knows? He's, he's just one of those athletes you never bank against him, but it's, he's obviously must be still carrying injuries. He was supposed to, he was on the start list to race uh, Abu Dhabi, pulled out of that. He was on the start list to race uh, Malulabar World Cup. How uh, peak can he be, by the way? Because well, it's only a month away, isn't it? Uh, less than that, I think we we go over on the fifth or sixth, and it's a day or two after that. How long that. are you going for? Uh, eight days, I think. Eight, nice. no, seven days, seven or eight days. Awesome. Um, so yeah, he'll be certainly in question uh, for the Commonwealth Games. But the way that that race might pan out could be in his favour because it'll be a smaller field and there's a, a reasonable chance there'll be a small breakaway and uh, if he can get that humming and then he can potentially try to eliminate you know Richard Murray and the really fast runners out of the race then he's a chance but uh, he could also potentially go into the race and work as a domestique for his brother because you've got to think all that matters is Great Britain getting medals and if Alice is not going to be fit if he can still bike fast he could smash the swim 
smash the bike and make sure that that breakaway group happens and just be a domestic and pull them all, risking that maybe he's pulling somebody who could potentially outrun his brother, someone like uh, Henry Schumann, mm. but at least you're eliminating the rest of the runners uh, and then you're, you're certainly not guaranteeing Johnny Brownlee a medal, but you're going to give him a very good chance of uh, getting one. So that may be potentially what goes on. So Richard Murray ended up winning the race. It was a sprint race, uh, won it fairly convincingly. Uh, Emma Jeffcoat won the girls' race, um, really crushed it on the run. She's a former surf life-saving girl. Now, most of the girls on the How ITU... How was the field? Because World Cup, so it's not... Oh, it's solid, but it's not World Championship yep. series. But Emma Jeffcoat, you look at her and you think, she's reasonably solid, but I think the thing is, I think she's a fairly normal size. The other girls are just tiny oh, yeah because okay. okay. she's a former surf life-saving girl and she just crushed them on the run which was good to see mm. we've also got a world cup coming up in new plymouth that hardly gets any coverage in new zealand which is just i just find bizarre but i one thing i did note i looked at the start list and i saw vanessa fernandez on the start list whether she turns up or not but uh for those of you who have followed the itu for quite some time uh she was the dominator probably around the what year was beijing olympics it was 204 wasn't it yeah, around that sort of period there. Eight, 2008. It was Sydney 2000, Athens, two, it was 2008, you're yeah. right, 2008. So around that sort of period, um, Vanessa Fernandez was just killing it on the ITU circuit. She had some amazing stretch of winning World Cup races of, you know, 10 in a row or 15 in a row or something like that uh, and yeah she looks like if she's trying to make a comeback at 32 she was very young a very young athlete uh, so we'll see what level she's at John I see we've got what's the hell here and I've got a new what's the hell which I think will really get you fired up today oh good yeah. well, this one only came in this morning okay I, so so the big what's the hell it's not big but it's <laughs> well you've got don't feed me with this bullshit yes so before the show each week, I just sort of flick around main news webs, triathlon news websites, just sort of see if there's anything come up overnight. And one thing I saw on triathlonworld.com, really good website, always have uh, good up-to-date news, was Ironman Montrand Blanc adds relay. I don't have a problem with relays whatsoever at events as long as they're sort of the secondary focus to the, the big show. You know, yep. you go to Kona, not Kona, you go to Road and stuff, the relay race is, um, is there, there's a lot of people doing it adds a lot of money to the bottom line. I get that. What annoys the hell out of me is when people try to feed you bullshit. Oh, here we go. What's the bullshit? <laughs> so I'm in Montrump Blog. The thing with I'm in Montrump Blog, according to triathlonworld.com, said that uh, it's relatively close to filling up with only a few hundred more registrations at this point uh, to at this point. With only with a few hundred more registrations at this point than there were in the entire race last year, so the move doesn't seem to be driven by a lack of entries. If that was the case, Ironman Canada held in Whistler, which added a half distance race to boost numbers, would more than likely uh, be a more likely candidate to offer relays. Now the race director said, "We want to find an orig original way to widen." access to this high performance sport which can sometimes be inaccessible for certain athletes. I call that bullshit. <laughs> so you're just saying, I want to make money. Yeah, and, and if, they, if they said we need to boost overall numbers for this race, I'd be going, fine. Yeah, I'd be, I, I still... Yeah, but yeah, PR's PR because then you're also going to say, does that make it look like our race is struggling? Mm. You know, so like I, I, I kind of have a bit of sympathy for I'm not as harsh as you are, John. I think everyone knows that. But <laughs> but because... Uh, but, but, don't tell me that you're trying to widen the access to high-performance sport, which sometimes seem inaccessible for certain athletes. That's rubbish. That's probably not the best angle. Probably what you should have said is we want to open people up to doing the sport and, and realise a good way of doing it. Mm. You know, that's the way, yes, that's the angle they should have gone to. But 
I just get annoyed when they're just trying to get more and more people on these courses. The courses are getting crowded. Long, you're getting drafting. But how long do you think it's going to be before every race has no, sections? No, not, not very long at all. Yeah, because basically, like, like I'm in New Zealand, we've got 70.3, mm-hmm. you know, and Challenge has been doing it for a long time and successfully. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting when we think about I'm in New Zealand now, which is now a three-lap run, and if they're going to add relays and stuff into that race, and you've got 70.3s, and I get it, you've got to – so they're going to expand the sport. You know, you need to kind of think about that. But they probably have to go back to think about changing courses again. Because if you're going to have three lappers, and you're going to have people who can just do the run, you know, it makes it pretty difficult, doesn't it? I'm I'm agreeing with you, Bevan. John, right? Get me fired up. Okay. Have, have, have you seen the article on stuff, John? Renewed push to review helmet laws. I did, you're right. I saw this this morning, and I did get extremely fired up. <laughs> I, I was almost going to start ranting to Belinda, but then I had to come around here. What? So despite having been a moron. law, so basically, there's basically in fairness, but they're kind of saying that there's that, no fairness here. The guy, these people are idiots. Well, but, but when you go to like Amsterdam, morons. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a helmet when you ride a bike. The concrete's <laughs> the concrete's hard in Amsterdam. The concrete's hard in New Zealand. The concrete's hard in America. The concrete's hard in the UK. If you fall off your bike <laughs> you live in at any speed, you're a moron. And you're not wearing a helmet. <laughs> you're an idiot. Well, well hopefully, John, our laws change here. I've seen you wearing a helmet one day, and I've no, almost swerved. Yeah, almost yeah, swerved to hit you. I remember one time I was riding down the road without a helmet, and I can't remember why. I, I, I do wear helmets. I'm a good kid, but one day I wasn't, and I saw Blender out running, and she mm. just goes. Don't have a helmet. Telling John. That's what she said to me. Idiots. Well, the, the I don't care if it messes you here. I don't care if you're just commuting to work. <laughs> you here. Well, that's the reason most people don't wear helmets. I've, wear a helmet. They're arguing that this is just a profit taking thing. That's rubbish. They're morons. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, you did get me fired up. <laughs> I knew it would. As soon as I saw it's been on the new stuff for a couple of days. And I saw it. I thought, oh, I've got to show John this one. <laughs> They're building because they're building lots of cycleways, especially in Christchurch at the moment. But they haven't done them that well because they're quite narrow. And this guy's argument is: well, we've got cycleways here. You're not going to get potentially hit by a car as much. The concrete's still hard. You're more on. There you go. Yeah. And what are the people of Amsterdam? The morons. Amsterdam. If you wear a helmet, good on you. If you don't, <laughs> buck the trend. <laughs> I just love it. Just morons. Yeah. Oh, John, you make me laugh. Okay, this week's discussion. I don't know who thought of this, but whoever it was, they're a bloody genius. Oh, it was me. <laughs> so basically last week we were kind of saying, if you were to go back and meet yourself as a younger version of yourself, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to yourself? And John, this one went off. We had how many How many comments? Hundreds. Hundreds. Uh, Adam Freeman, stop in the last 100 metres of your Ironman to kiss and thank your significant other. <laughs> that was other. cold because that's a dig at you. P.S. <laughs> no, it's did himself. P.S. Made amends 19 years later at Port Macquarie 70.3. Oh, you, you, you must have learned from you because John and yes. Wanaka. And the worst thing about it is, so I'm sure you've heard this on the show, but the worst thing about it is, it's not that he didn't just run past her. He did stop and grabbed a hat and then ran off. I was coming third at the inaugural challenge, fourth, and then bumped up to third at the inaugural challenge, Wanaka. Didn't want to lose any uh, lose any time there. Yeah. Rob, Rob Gray's got, uh, invest in a bike fit that actually on a bike fit bike um, from the best bike fitter before making the bike purchase. In the long run, you'll save money and be faster and donate $20 if Bevan can say this tongue-twisting sentence <laughs> in one go without hesitation. 
Well, I kind of got the second half right. So 20 bucks, where you go. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. We'll take that. Paula George, make sure you do your strength and conditioning. 20 years in the sport and lost sight of that for a couple of years and then battled injuries for years afterwards. Um, we've got Christine McKinley, get a good divorce, law, divorce lawyer. <laughs> um, Ed Hodgkinson. Uh, and don't forget rule five from cycling. When you feel that you've reached the end, harden the F up. Bobby Miller's got to stay away from Nick Mallet. Okay, seriously, it's addictive and expensive. Is this how you're going to spend the next 20 years? Um, Trevor Hill, you're doing your first triathlon. Enjoy it and have fun and don't try to beat everyone else. Good old Matt Trench has got to listen to I Am Talk. That wins the day, no doubt about it. Michael Taylor makes swimming the, the off-season focus, not the run. Grant Petrie, he's got to uh, learn how to swim better and stretch after every workout. David Sheridan, get the snip. Brian, oh, mm, yeah. Well, get, <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, Brian, I'm going to say Eric, and he's got listen, don't listen to your heart rate monitor. There you go. Uh, Peter, Peter Thor Thaus, don't bother with stretching, will cause you injuries. We'll debate that one. Yeah, what do you say? <laughs> don't don't bother with stretching, it'll cause you injuries. I don't really stretch, although I have to say my hips are, need a bit of flexibility. There's plenty, that's the thing, there's plenty of examples of people who stretch, there's plenty of examples of people who don't well, stretch. Remember we had the expert on, and, they, and there was this point, it was like, kind of do one or the other, mm. don't be the in-between person. Hallamans was a great one for never stretching. How's he now? He's, uh, he's okay. He's doing riding the length of New Zealand at the moment on a mountain bike. He'd probably be somewhere in the South Island, I'd imagine, by now. There's a big thing on in New Zealand now, um, the tour of De uh, tour of Aotearoa. You start up at the top of the North Island, and it's just a, either individually or solo, but self-supported from one end of New Zealand to the other. Some people are taking, so I think the fastest ones are maybe 12, 13 days or so, and some are taking, I think the limits you're allowed is about a month. So just... Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Jeff Morgan's got get it gait analysis and replace your shoes before getting injured. I'm a big one on that. Not so much nowadays, but going to New York, I, I would, when I was really running and doing, I'd place shoes every 12 weeks. Anthony Camarelli, you really should learn how to swim properly before doing an Ironman. James Hotel's got a good one. Hard means hard, easy means easy. Mm -hmm. it's, good. It's, it's a metaphor for life. Um, good old Finn Zwagger as usual my post is probably too long oh Finn how long have you gone here yeah oh, I passed that one it was too long pass. you know it's too long you said it <laughs> and look at everyone else's answers one line is gold Finn sharpen up <laughs> uh, Ed Hed Hodginson's got don't forget rule number four. Oh, you've done that okay here we go okay we'll go down to the bottom Joe Baxis has got pick a cheaper hobby <laughs> Quentin Fogarty steer clear of negative people good old JP for it, I'm going to say, uh, have more fun, which is probably true because there are a few athletes who take this way too serious. You're going to have some fun along the way. Last one, last one. David David Bowden, buy a power meter. Good old Mick Simpson's got, uh, I'd go back further to being 16 and say, actually, run is really fun and, and stay off the sofa. So there we go. Uh, John, what would you say? Oh, I'm getting ready for the next part of the show. Uh, one piece of advice you would give yourself. Yeah, like if you go uh, back to, no, you're a young man when you do this, so what would you? Uh, just literally just pace it, pacing it. And what I usually say to most of the kids in our junior program at the moment is divide the bike and the run up into three segments. First segment, just control it. Second segment, start pushing. Third segment, uh, leave it all out there. Most people go far too far in the th first third of the bike and the run. So controlling that first third of the race. And these days you've got the tools to be able to do that, which is even better to help yeah, you. Yeah, I'm big on that because it's like learning how to um, race smart. And I definitely feel like I can do it a lot better nowadays. For me, it would have been have an objective to every session. Um, 
because I would just always train hard mm-hmm. and you know like and I loved a bit of competition and training so I'd always just kind of kill myself which I loved but I don't know if it was the wisest way to train so I think I would have probably been a bit more a bit more detailed in programming and had a program that really considered the objective of every session and it have the ups and downs and working towards the kind of the, the peak moment that you're aiming for so for me that probably would have been a piece of advice I'd give the younger version of me very good yep there we go this week that's a good one, but John. It's kind of kind of copying mine, but hey, I'll give it to you. Where you go? The worst advice you listen to. So we're going on the stuff that you advice you give yourself this week on. And, and what's the key to this answer is not just the worst piece of advice you've heard, but the one you actually listened to. Yes, so listened the one you to. acted upon. So it's really important you get that part. You can right. name and shame as well. If you oh, really definitely. Want to. Because that's the thing. It's the worst thing about being a coach, isn't it? <laughs> is that you get you get you because if you're going to get a coach, guys, and and I really believe this. If you're going to invest in a coach, you're buying into their philosophy. Mm-hmm. And different coaches have different philosophies and have different ways of working with people. And a good coach will try to assess what works best for you, and they'll write programs based on that. Now, if you get a coach, and then your mate goes, "Oh, mate, but here's what I do." <laughs> And that must do coach. Oh, but my friend oh, yeah. said he's been doing this, this. and yeah. it just does your head in, doesn't it, John? Absolutely. Yep. So, so back your coach up. Worst okay. advice you listen to, and you, again, you acted upon it. Okay, John, three, two, one. Statistic. It's fantastic, John. Did you just think it was out of nowhere? I just pulled this out of my butt yesterday, Bevan. I've, I did. I thought I had an interview lined up today, and, I, and it didn't happen. So I thought I've got to pull a few things out of my butt here. John, and, you know uh, how to pull good things out of your butt because mm. this is going. So basically, what John's here done here is. The average movements for a single side and swim bike run. So when you and I just thought this the reason and is this kind of like for an Ironman for an Ironman yeah. and because often we make can make really small modifications and you think oh, I'm not my hundred meter time hasn't improved or even my four hundred meter time hasn't improved or if you're on the bike and you made a really small adjustment and you're not necessarily seeing massive differences. Likewise, any biomechanical change you make on the run. But when you actually break down your movements in an Ironman race, it is insane. Just the tiniest change you can make to your technique can have some pretty big ramifications. So the statistic for this week is really just how many single side movements you're making uh, during a race. And a lot of you won't have thought about this. And as you talk about that technique, it really does make sense. Like if you've got a bad swim stroke, so again, stat number one, swim, say 30 strokes per minute, for an hour, you're doing 1,800 strokes. Now, if you're losing a bit of an efficiency or wasting energy, each stroke... And, and that might be just, you know, say you swim and your hand, your fingers are really wide open when you swim. Closing your fingers up will give you a little bit better feel for the water. Now, they don't, you don't want them to be tight, but you might not notice any change in your 100 metre time. It might be, you know, a, a fraction of a second every, every 100 metres. But um, you'll get an efficiency gain and you will get a time gain um, from, from doing that. So you're doing 18... Ballpark. This is for say you yeah. swim an hour for an Ironman and you're swimming at 30 strokes with one arm per minute. Then it's 1,800 strokes that you're doing in an Ironman swim. On the bike, you know most people are riding at around about 85 RPM um, and just ballpark. You know an average-ish sort of time is six hours. So that means you can be doing 30,600 uh, revolutions per in an Ironman per leg. Yeah. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So that's a lot, and again, and and to be honest, biking efficiency is the one where most people don't work on. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us would spend a lot of time on swim technique, mm-hmm. and some of us would spend some time on running technique. Whereas cycling technique seems to be the the lost brother, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's because you can't you're, you're locked into positions. You know, in swimming you can do drills like you can do cadence drills and things like that in cycling, but a pedal stroke 
distrib- you know, distribution of power throughout the whole mm. stroke is definitely something you want to be working on. Like lots mm. of people don't use their hamstrings. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get that pull-up method to get your hamstrings activated, yeah. um, there's a lot you can do to help your biking technique. And again, now if we're thinking about revolutions through the whole race, well, you're gonna the most revolutions you're doing is cycling. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can get some efficiency in that pedal stroke, it is going to make a massive difference. And then onto the run, again, if we just use a, a ballpark average of 85 RPM for four hours, um, just a, an average sort of Ironman time, you're doing around about 20,000 impacts Foot on, falls, on yeah. each leg. So, uh, yeah, so just put those numbers in perspective, around about 1,800 strokes in the swim, 30,000 revolutions on the bike, and 20,000 on the, the run, and that's for someone who's doing an 11-hour Ironman. So we know a lot of you will be out there for, for longer than that. So just have a think about those things when you are thinking oh should I bother doing any technique work and just trying to make any little changes your little changes with your swim stroke things like your, the weight of your shoes uh, and taking some time to improve your biomechanics even just by a fraction can have some pretty big uh, impacts over an iron distance race yeah it's, 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 it's a formula isn't it, this racing thing John we're going to put some music on here's Coach's Corner wait here's some music <laughs> Coaches Corner, Jumbo. It's time for a run, walk, refresher. A run, walk, one hundred and one. One hundred and one. One hundred and one. What's happening, John? Well, I just don't think people are, are really doing this in a structured way, and I think a lot of people are looking at this in terms of the walk as being just a recovery and a chance to do a rest. And it's that is a byproduct of what you're doing, but it's not the, ultimately the reason why you're doing it. So I thought I'd just go through a few key things with run, walk, and I would strongly encourage pretty much everybody out there to consider doing this at uh, their Ironman and also you've got to practice it a lot in training if you have injuries again this is another really really good way to reduce the risk of injury when you're doing especially your long runs and probably ageing athletes as well Mm. but yeah it's just the feedback I consistently get when somebody goes out and say does a three hour run and they do run walk as opposed to doing um, run is they feel a lot fresher afterwards. They've still got three hours in the legs. Um, now you might you could, could argue you're not quite getting the muscular load in there and there's always trade-offs because you go, I'm not quite getting the same muscular load as I would have otherwise but the benefit of it is you're going to bounce back a little bit quicker and it's a reduced risk of injury. Mm. So um, first thing you've got to do is if you're going to do the run walk is you've got to work out, and you should be doing this anyway, your best case scenario run for the Ironman run we're talking Ironman races here predominantly so, so you're a four so, hour runner so yeah but then you've got to work out okay what's my K pace or what's my mile pace and you need to have that so many people go yeah I'd like to run um, four hours or four and a half hours but they don't actually know what they've got to run mm-hmm. per mile or per K so that's step one going I want to run a 3.30 or I want to run a four hour or whatever it is and then that means I need to be averaging XYZ per mile or per kilometre. That's step one. Uh, if you don't know how to do that, have a look at your fresh running times, your past performances, rather than just plucking a number out of there going, I want to run four hours. Actually look at what you've done in the past and come up with a realistic uh, number. I've gone over how to do that in the past. Um, 
Second thing you've got to do is decide on what schedule, and this might take a bit of trial and error. So what I mean by just decide on what schedule we're going to use, I use, um, for me, a 3K on, 45-second walk. Other people use 9-minute on, 1-minute off, because that's quite easy, you know, 10-minute blocks. Some people just go, I'm going to go aid station to aid station and walk every 1 minute. Most aid stations are about every 2.5Ks or 1.5 miles between them. Kona's slightly different. Um, so then second step, work out what schedule you're going to use. Then you need to go out there and practice and figure out what sort of impact the walking is going to have on your average speed. So you go out and do a run, you might go and do a say a 10 to 20k run, or what's that, that sort of 6 to 15 mile um, run, and you practice doing your run walk, and you go, so for example, you go, I need to be averaging 6 minute k's, so that might mean I'm going to run at 5.45 per k, and then that uh, allows for a bit of that sort of 15 seconds extra when I do my walking, and hopefully will average uh, out to being that six sort of six minutes that I'm hitting for. So it takes some trial and error to try to figure out what your walking speed is and what that how that impacts your average total pace. So that's what you got to work out. Then you'll know, okay, for me to run at six minute k's, I need to be running at. 5.40, 5.45 or whatever it's going to be. And that's, that's the challenging bit, isn't it? Because for a lot mm. of people, it seems quite a big jump. Mm. So mentally, it's like, oh man, I'm going to have to run a lot faster than... A- absolutely. You know? Um, so for me, I was, you know, in, in rote, I was trying to average 4 minutes 17 per K or 4 minutes 15 per K. And that required me to run just under 4 minutes 10 per K because this, because I walked really quickly, uh, there was less of a drop off and my run I was running for three Ks which is probably about as far as I'd suggest you take it. So I didn't have to run that much quicker. Um and you just got to figure out what's what your walking speed's going to be. In terms of the technique you should be using, one the biggest thing that I, th- I see people not doing is keeping your arms up the same as you do when you run. So your hands sort of in front of your chest, and you're keeping your arm cadence the same as what you do when you're uh, when you're running. So you don't. Most people just drop their hands down to their side and walk like you normally would walk. Don't do that. Keep your hands up. Keep your legs turning over. Second, the cadence is it's a fast cadence. Fast cadence. Yeah. Keep your arms up, but the most important thing is is that that, that you divert to being flat footed, and this is probably the the number one reason why you do the run walk is you're trying to give your calf muscles a break. So when you're walking, you're trying to be as flat footed as you possibly can. So high cadence, flat feet, have your arms up like you're running, and walk really fast. Um, it's it's more like speed walking, like you see at the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, etc., as opposed to just ambling along, taking a recovery. Uh, and that's probably the big thing I see. A lot of athletes they come to their walk and they just amble through and walk. N- and that normally. was the thing because I, I don't. I've never really done run walk to be honest. And I remember when we did that I am talk weekend, and when you you know John's doing walk around I'll just follow him and then you start walking I'm like, Man, I've got a jog you know? <laughs> and, and, and I hadn't really practiced I hadn't done the technique mm. and so even trying to walk I wasn't able to do it really because mm. I had to just go to a light jog because I it's a technique mm-hmm. and it's something you really need to practice mm-hmm. it's, it's very brisk walking flat feet keep your cadence up it's not a recovery walk um and then the next point I've got is be really strict around your start, start and stop times. So, you know, basically when you're running along, uh, you might say do 2Ks running or a mile or whatever, whatever you're going to do. And then when it clicks over for your next lap, 
you watch your, your watch and then as soon as your time's up, hit your lap button again and boom, you're off. You can't start letting it lag out, especially when you're in the race. Um, and then once you've done a few of these training sessions, go in and have a look at actually is what happening, what's happening to your training file. So a lot of you guys will be on Training Peaks or some other platform. Go on there and what you'll see is your heart rate dips a little bit each time you do the run walk and, uh, and just look at what your average speed is. And it's a really good idea to do a comparison where you might go out and do say a 10 miler or 15 k's uh, where you're doing run walk and then you go out and do a 10 miler doing it as a straight run and just note how you felt during, afterwards, um, whether your heart rate was around about the same uh, and then, then make your decision on whether it's something you want to want to roll with or not. And the final thing I'd say is when you actually do this in a race, once you get about two thirds of the way into the race and if you're not feeling like you're getting any recovery from doing the run walk and your pace is starting to slow, then you just start running straight. Okay. So we've talked about it a lot before, that was hopefully just a bit of a refresher. If you've got a marathon coming up, give it a crack, but make sure you practice it a lot in training. And really, you're kind of saying, pretty much, unless you're a bloody Trenzo Bazzoni, everyone should be doing it. Yep. If you, uh, you know, I, as I've said many times before, I did it with a three-hour, f- two, two, 238 marathon, and yeah. it worked really well for me there. So unless you're planning on going quicker than that, then uh, I'd be suggesting you give it a really good crack. But also just come, overcoming the psychology of it, because I know most of us think mm. walking's failing. You feel like a dick. When you walk three k's into a run, I remember in that Auckland marathon, three k's in and you're walking, Takes a bit of courage. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've got I've got a lady I, who I do a bit of run coaching for, and um, and she's she's you know like a five hour marathoner, and I was like, and she goes, oh, I don't want to walk. And I was like, but it's, you mm. know, and it took a lot for me to convince her that she'd be better off to do the walk run strategy, and even then she still struggles with it. So mm. there is a psychology that you need to overcome, probably the ego, mm. to allow yourself to go. You know what? If I want to have the best race, this is what it's going to take. That might be. Some people might say, "I want to run the whole run," yeah. and and that's a cool that's, goal. A, that's a goal. Um, but if you want to, if Get your goal is to be race. faster, consider trying a run walk. Okay, John. Uh, let's talk about a sponsor. Extreme Endurance Lactic Buffer. So they've got a special code on for us at the moment. Uh, Omega D three on their Omega D three products. Uh, if you use that code, you get twenty five percent off. Also, for international listeners, if you do, if, if you've looked at Extreme Endurance before and you've balked at the the, the the shipping prices, go on there now. They've got new shipping methods uh, globally. So uh, check it out. Remember to use the promo code IMTalk twenty, and they'll give you twenty percent discount and. Uh, the shipping rates are heaps better. So, you guys, if you've got any marathons coming up, a lot of uh, early season, you know, spring marathons, Paris and um, London, etc. The Euro, a lot of the Euro marathons. If you haven't tried it before, running it'll be incredible. Mm. It's only forty six ninety five US to get yourself a pack of Extreme Endurance, but take off the twenty percent uh, code on that and make sure that you bounce back quicker, get a boost in your performance and feel good so check it out xendurance.com okay john we're going to my first try my first, first try, try from Stuart gillespie has got after hearing that you're looking for some more my first try stories i thought i would share my epic start to being a triathlete going back a few years to 2012 my weight had ballooned i was unfit and i did not do any exercise so i started with the couch to five program and then by the end of the year I was doing a few, I was a few stones lighter and I had ran my first 10k in under an hour. That is a story for another day as I turned up for a local run club event where everyone was in short running shorts and a vest in February. 
where we are. And he's in uh, up in Scotland, I think. Okay. While I was in a few layers of clothes and was left behind after the first 300 metres. For the next few years, I gradually built my endurance, not speed, up to eventually running a few marathons in 2014. I decided that 2015 was going to be the year of triathlon and entered two middle distance triathlons, the Outlaw Half and Ironman Half in Dublin. So I started to train late in 2014, starting to add swimming and cycling to my training. I noticed an advert for a local triathlon on New Year's Day in Edinburgh and decided to start the year as I meant to go on. I'm going to say there, a triathlon on New Year's Day in Edinburgh... That's a brave way to start. Granted, the swim it was, it was here is in a pool, but doing a triathlon in the middle of winter in Edinburgh. And on New Year's Day. That's going to be pretty Can't, fresh. That's probably not the wisest day for participation in numbers. No. Uh, the swim was in a pool, and as the first people were set off, I actually felt good as I thought I was a better swimmer than most. In fact, compared to everyone else currently swimming in the pool, what I did not realise was that the swim was seated and the slower swimmers got to go first. Then, after being told this, it dawned on me, on the entry form, it asked me to estimate my swim times. At the time of entry, I had taken my current swim time and reduced it by a few minutes, thinking that I could easily improve my swim by that time in a few months. I was wrong. Not only that, due to my exceptional estimated swim times, I was now amongst the top-end triathletes who were not just going to overtake me in the swim, but they were going to lose me on the bike. So it was my turn. I swam as hard as I could, not doing as poorly as I thought, only being overtaken by one person. I went to the changing area. I wonder if they went into the changing area. Quite possibly, yeah, for the swimming pool. Yeah, got you know, got, you know, your, your mate from the road to get in a swim. Uh, I had a cheap tri suit, however, due to the weather, more to come on that later. I decided to add a few layers. Now, not knowing about triathlon or cycling, I had bought a long sleeve mountain bike top and therefore spent a few excruciating minutes trying to get over my damp head and my body before adding a jacket before I set up on the bike. Didn't have the, the full zip up the front. John, that's your, that's rule 102 get, for you, isn't it? Always get the full what zip. What are the rules? The John Newsom rules are the three the three year patented plan. Yeah. The new, the new rule we added last week. What was that one? Participate in your in your. Uh, help out once a year. Yeah, and then for, I don't know if this is a this is a number three rule, but always get full zip bike jerseys. Over the next year, we're going to go Dom rules top ten. Okay. Uh, the bike course was a few loops around Arthur's Seat, and it's an iconic part of Edinburgh. Is it really? And I had a climb up one side, then a gradual descent to start. Lacking the bike knowledge, I started the hill in the wrong gear and soon found myself out of breath and struggling. I think some of the runners out of their laps were part. Me, I tried vainly to get find another gear, and the chain came off, and then to a sudden stop. Getting the chain back on, I tried to remount the bike on the hill with slippery road shoes and SPD cleats, which I could not clip in and quickly enough, and gave to give myself some leverage. So after a few failed attempts, I walked for a bit before finding a flat spot to remount. Getting near the top of the hill, I started to look forward to getting a rest in the descent only around the corner to come face to face with the gale force wind which meant that although I was going downhill I had to stand up on my pedals to get some forward momentum that's what you get for doing a triathlon in <laughs> Edinburgh in the middle of winter <laughs> the last it wasn't much different only colder and wetter the third the same only quieter as the faster people were now on their final run lap or had finished the run my strongest leg was a struggle as I had nothing left after the bike and even although it was only 5k's I walked a good portion Still in my bike jacket as I'd not considered taking it off. I finished 279th out of 323, cold, tired, but excited that I'd done my first triathlon. I'm still the fat lad at the 
I am at the back, but since then I have done a few halves, one full distance, and I've started training for Ironman Wales in September to celebrate my 50th birthday this year. Love the show, the interviews, banter, and the rants. So that's a pretty good story, isn't it? I'm impressed they had 323 people for a bloody triathlon in the middle of winter, and you <laughs> weren't last. That's the thing that you're taking away from this. Oh. Don't do a triathlon in the middle of winter. In Edinburgh. My God. Have you been to Edinburgh? Yes. What's so, it like? People oh, I was only there for a couple it. of days. So I can't really remember. Actually, no, I've been there twice. I went there for a wedding, and then I went there for the Fringe Festival one year. Was that good? It was, but it was a long time ago. I can't remember too much. So, Stuart, that's awesome. Uh, love, loved hearing about these first tries. If anybody else has got any more, flick them on in. Yeah, yeah, we love first try. Uh, so, there we go. Uh, John, let's do Wanger of the Week. Wanger of the Week. Okay, what number are you pulling up? And let's see. This is not me pulling it up. This is random.org. Yeah. Is going for number five. Number one, two, three, Pass four. Pass the chamois cream. Okay, it goes to Jonathan Blake this week. He's done 18 hours of biking. 18 hours. And then uh, Jonathan uh, Pascal, I'm going to say maybe, mm-hmm. and Brent Johnson. So um, Jonathan did, second Jonathan did 16 hours, and Brent Johnson did 13 hours. On the girl side of things, we've got Sarah Myford, and she did 10.03. Then we've got Jenna Carr-Sedfrey. And she did nine hours, and Tracy Barr did just under nine hours. So lots of biking happening this week. Tracy, 14 rides. I'm, oh, Tracy does a lot of commuting, that's why. Still yeah, 14 she does. rides. 14 rides, very impressive. Yeah. So Jonathan Blake going on with his Strava this year. He's done, I think this week he's done all his riding. No, he's done 39 hours of riding this year. He's done nearly four or 350 Ks of riding. All time he's done 1,742 Ks of riding on Strava. He got seventh overall, recent achievements on the Marguerite E. Maple. Well, segment. on Strava, it says he's a runner from North Kenton, Ohio, I think. Uh, so there you go. Nice work. Yeah, love your work. Third fastest time in uh, the Seven Street Hill Run. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be a winger of the week. It's pretty obvious. Just go to the website and your Strava, look up for Iron Talk Podcast group, and it's all pretty obvious on there. John, questions and answers. We've got a few ones this week. First of all, who sent this through? Ross, give a little, give a lot little, isn't it? Give a lot little. Yeah. Just sent through. A, a, this is a, disturbing. A so there's really a South African is. athlete in Durban he's out training and some guys didn't try to mug him they basically well they did sort of mug him but they didn't take anything off him and they tried to chop his legs off with a saw if you read the piece it sounded like they weren't talking because he offered his phone and stuff like when they came to him he kind of just said here take it and then and if anything sounds like it's ruined his career the poor bugger like they're saying he'll be able to walk and run again but it's going to be a long time before he's going to get back to recovery. So that's just one of those weird ones. South Africa, you do hear an aspect of just a little bit unsafe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have they, have they got water yet? Cape Town? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been, haven't been tracking it, but I assume D Day was some stage in April. So unless it's rained. So last week we were talking on the show about what will happen with Alistair Brownlee in the Olympics and could he do Ironman in the same year? And good old uh, Tim Hemming, he sent through an article. Just sort of saying that in theory it's possible for him to do it, but it would be a real long shot um, because if he wants to go to the Olympics, he'll be forced by the Federation to really be focusing on that and not pandering around doing long course stuff. The other thing that I did notice, or I think I noticed, and I'm happy to be pointed out wrong if I am wrong here, Torsten, if you're listening, you can probably do this, but it seemed to me that the 70.3 slot 
that you used to get if you won that the for worlds. Kona, yeah, it doesn't seem to exist anymore. So, because oh, okay. I thought that might be a backdoor way of uh, potentially getting in, but it just seemed to me that it wasn't there anyway. And plus, the rules are changing. By the time we get to 2020, they'll be in. You got to win this Ironman. Um, uh, when it when will get second and nine man to actually make it. And this is what Tim's got here. He's got in Brownlee's case, he could race the ITU Grand Final in the autumn of 2019, book his Kona berth with a victory at Loki Ironman in November, which he'd have to guarantee a win. Although, you, well, you never know, do you? And then concentrate on Olympic distance race through to Tokyo in the summer of 2020 before turning his attention to Hawaii. It would be a big ask. It'd be pretty awesome if he tried. Mm. I but said, he, go for it. But Brownlee has long stated his desire to challenge all fronts and surefire cure for post-Olympic blues. So, um, probably highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. And and one other point that Tim brings up is that, yeah, they probably won't let him, cause, especially because he's a bit more injury-focused nowadays or, or susceptible to injuries. So, love to see it, but, but how, again, how that, cool would that be? Again, that could be, the instance could be that, again, I'm talking about that domestique. If Jonathan Brownlee was looking like he was a really strong chance for a gold medal, um Again, if, if Alistair Brownlee got in there and just acted as a domestique and just tried to get that front group away, eliminate the runners, don't think that's a dumb idea. Yeah, but Alistair's not going to be a domestique. Well, he might be if he, if, uh, who knows? If he's injured. If he's injured. If yeah. he, if, but if he's going to this race with fitness, yeah, but I, he, he wants that third gold. I wouldn't be at all surprised if he does that at the... Uh, Commonwealth Games if he's a domestique because he's going to be there anyway he's over in oh, Australia oh yeah I get the Commonwealth Games because we know he's injured right now but mm. but well, we don't know but he's, he hasn't been racing so but the Olympics who knows it's, it's, all, it's all, all that matters is about getting a gold medal and if if, if, if he's happy to do it uh, and if he thinks Jonathan might be a chance this is with a time where I don't mind wild cards in the sport for Kona. Mm-hmm. Like I know we're kind of big on the qualification that you need to earn to get there, but I wouldn't mind to say every year we've got one one wild card in each, both female and males. No, they might not use it every year, but post Olympics, imagine if they offered to both the male and female winner come to Kona. Mm-hmm. Now, would it always take off? But probably not. But it's still it'd be great for the sport. Imagine Brownlee and whoever wins the female. Who who you reckon, Duffy? Uh, next Olympics at the, this stage you'd have to put money on her don't know anything about the course but yeah yeah so let's say they both turn up at Kona to race how cool Wicked. would that be yeah okay next one Paul Williams just got he did triple A in Australia and once again over the weekend and he sent us through the results have you got them John Bo? I'm just trying to find them right now okay I'll talk about it he said it was a great race to compete in and truly a memorable experience it reminded me of what Mike Plant said in his Legends of Triathlon interview the race is about challenge is not a known distance an experience more than of an adventure the team at Elite Energy put on a great event that included 25k and a 50k trail run this year which hopefully will make the event more viable in years to come as the numbers in both the long course and short course were extremely low which was disappointing so great race come and on this week's website i've actually put the photo of him and his son the son's like a late teenager and you can see the family blood you can nice. see the family blood, John. Okay, what happened in the race? So, Sean Ralph took it out, 6 hours 41. He swam 48 minutes, rode 3.59 and ran 1.53. Uh, Jamie Edwards was second, 7 hours um, on the uh, total race. So, 20 minute, oh, 19 minute win. Didn't quite get the dojo domination. And Brian Black was third in 7.49. Tracy Morrison took out the girls' race in 7.31, which would probably, I'm assuming, might place her third overall, actually. Naomi Wood was second in 8.40 and Cheryl Rotondo was third in 8.43. 
good times. Why don't those people trip away and maybe other people go check it out? And what I was talking about, Mike Plant was Mike Plant. It was a great interview. Mike was a media man, wasn't he? Mm. They were doing Legends of Triathlon. He was just kind of saying the the sad thing about the sport is that kind of sense of we're just here because we love an adventure mm. has kind of moved away as it become more co- commercialized. So um, interesting stuff, John patrons. Neil the Stafford, Neil the Ninja Stafford. We've got Tim Beastly Beasley. And David the Great Greyhound Hutchian. I should say Tim Beastly Beesant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. about that, uh, John, we got a new one. Stuart Mills, he sent us through a great email, and this is I loved reading this, and I'm sure you did as well. <laughs> so, dear John and Bevan, I've been listening to the show for around two to three years since getting back into triathlon in 2015 after a 20-plus year break. I've been meaning to provide some support to the show for a while, and tonight I finally signed up as a patron, so I thought I would send you an email with my photo and also let you know that it's me, Stuart Mills, who listens to the podcast, not my wife, Francis, so they did it through that. Anyway, listening to the show... I love the Kiwi humour, which I don't experience much in the UK, where I lived since heading over here from New Zealand back in 1990. Initially, I was a runner living in Wellington whilst at school, but I got into triathlon via the multi-sport, the multi-sport route after racing in the 1985 Coast to Coast. Jeez, that would have been one of the first ones, wouldn't it? Yeah, it probably was. No, the 30 years. All right. Is it 30 years? I think it's 30 years. So, oh yeah. So yeah, it would have been. No, it must be, must be more. It must be 35. Oh, God knows. Okay, I completed right. my first Ironman in 1991. He must have been pretty young when he did the Coast to Coast. Mm. Hey. Uh, also raced Lanzarote in Hawaii in 1992 and then continued back to Ironman to New Zealand for five years of summer training for uh, Ironman New Zealand in 1993, being based in Christchurch. John, you mentioned a few episodes ago that you competed ever since you were young so I thought I would check some of the old triathlon results from the five months I spent in Christchurch back in 1992 and 1993 and yes I did race you twice back then score bang 1-1 the Scarborough (laughs) Sprint Triathlon in December 1992 John you were competing in the male 13 to 19 category I was in the 20 to 29 category and you finished one place ahead of me in ninth place in 102.58, beating me by just nine seconds. However, come two months later, he said he knew he wanted to beat you. Um, some, um, after some, wait a second, however, come two months later after some qualified Ironman training, I managed to finish eight places ahead of you at the Picton Olympic Triathlon, two minutes and 57 seconds quicker than you, with my 24th place in a time of one hour and 57 minutes and 43 seconds. It looked like you had some issues on the run that day. You had a 39.55 run split. See attached results. This is where it was a gold bit. He pulled out these these scanned documents of 1992 results it was gold absolute gold even though it was exactly 25 years ago i can still remember the race well as it was a selection race for the new zealand team for the worlds in manchester later that year so it was a pretty strong field as illustrated by my time of 157 only placing me in 24th sorry for the length of the email but i got a bit carried away down memory lane now then he sent us his other photo actually I'll show, oh, next week i'll put your photo up please also attach the photo of the bike from 2016 lanzarote ironman i raced the inaugural race in 1992 with only 119 16 finishes mm-hmm. wow that's mind-blowing isn't it uh and for the 25th edition in 2016 the race director for 25 years kenneth how do you say it? Gasu? Gasquet. Gasquet. Invited all the original finishers back for the 2016 to enter the 
with their entry fee from the 1992 entry fee, which worked out as $84 or pound compared to the entry fee of £465. That's a gold idea. So Kenneth Gasquet, as Bevan said, viewed it the very first Iron Man in Lanzarote in 1992, was it? Invites all of them back in 2016 for the 25th anniversary. At the and same price. The same price. He paid £84 and instead probably, of 400 And probably 30 people did it. So, you know, like, yeah. good idea. Lastly, also, he sent through a photo. So he did Lanzarote on the same bike that he did in 1992 and 2016. Um, and he just said, however, not as fast as what he was, 37 minutes mm-hmm. But after 20 years, you expect that. That was gold. So that, it's, it's, that, this is why we, you know, in the past, I've talked about Athlinks. When he pulled up these, these, sent over these files, I distinctly remember one of the races. So there was two races. One was a sprint triathlon that we do fairly, really regularly here in Christchurch, and the other one, as you said, was a selection race up in Picton. I remember smashing that race in the swim. I was right up there out of the swim. It was so this is one the Picton race. In Picton. Now, were you trying to qualify for Manchester? No, I was, and this was back in the day when, so I was yeah, yeah. 16, that was when they allowed, so these days you can't do an Olympic distance to try unless you're 18. What's all that about? It's like, oh, back then I got a dispensation when I was 15 to do when Hallman's wrote me a letter. Well, why aren't you allowed to do them? Oh, just looking after the longevity, looking after your body, it's mm. like, mm. It's like two hours. Yeah, no. It's not, it's not an Ironman. Anyway, I, I, get mean, Ironman. I remember doing that and being right out there in the swim, Ended up being a bit of a draft fest on the bike, oh, coming off the bike with all the big kahunas and uh, being really disappointing with the run. Also, I remember what happened in the run? Oh, I can't remember exactly. It was a long time ago, but a thirty-nine minute split is not particularly quick back in the day. And but I do remember that the swim in that race is in this harbour. So if anybody's been to New Zealand, Picton is where the ferry goes between the two islands. It comes in from Wellington to Picton, and the ferry comes. The, the, the swim course obviously didn't go through the path of the, the ferry. But just as we were starting, it might have been as we were starting, a bloody um, a boat came straight oh, no. through the swim course. We were swimming towards this boat, and I was like near the front, thinking, "Bloody hell, we're going to swim straight into that thing." But yeah, nice work, Stuart, on bringing bringing me back that down memory lane. Oh, I'm sure when you got that email, you loved it. Well, I sent you an email. Send me those bloody results. I'm going to get them up on Athlinks. <laughs> Saw these old fellas that I used to race with. It was great. Those were the days, my friend. Okay, Jonbo. You've got to come up with a name for him, though, Bevan. Oh, okay. So you've got one, but I've actually got another one. Okay. I went with Stuart Quantum Leap Mills. Because yes. Quantum Leap, you go through back in time. Okay. And he Quantum Leap is also fast speed. Mm-hmm. So I thought Quantum Leap. Cool. You like that? We'll go with that. Yeah, Stuart Quantum Leap Mills. Excellent. Yep, okay, because it goes back in time and changes the past, kind of like my discussion last week. <laughs> Jumbo uh, Sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. The mountains are quite nice right now, don't they? Oh, they're lovely. <laughs> and if you want to become a patron, go to Dub Dub Dub. I haven't talked up me, and we're going to do it in a draw in the next couple of weeks. So We're going to do it the last weekend of, uh, last weekend of March. Okay, there you go. Be in for the draw. Jumbo. If you want to email us, I am podcast at Gmail. We don't do Facebook emails, so don't don't Facebook email us. Uh, and because uh, John actually disabled it, so you can't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, your goss. Um, what's my goss? Got the big Sea to Sky Challenge, J E Collet Builders Sea to Sky Challenge this Ooh, weekend. Say that again. J E Collet Builder. J E Collet Builders. He used to be a triathlete from Christchurch. He's back in the day. He wasn't in those results. He would have been a couple of years after that, but. Uh, 
he just sort of got in touch and wanted to put something back in the sport that gave him oh, so much. Man. So if you're in the Christchurch Canterbury region and you need any sort of building job and uh, you want to support somebody who supports the sport, check out J.E. Collett. You know, I'm a big believer in this. You know, and I often say this when I'm doing voice work at a race, is that when you know some a business supports your, your sport, mm. If, if there's a choice between two businesses, now sometimes one, you know, you, you know, like for me who's a tight ass, I'm, I'll probably always look for the cheapest. Mm-hmm. But if there's a business who's supporting you and there's a choice between two products, always support the people who support you. And, yes. you know, like it's because sports and, is a struggle, you, you know, know? And, and sponsorship really does make a massive difference. And it really helps to get races like John's race on this weekend. And so, you know, if it does to come down, you know, if you're looking around and you know, that, hey, this person supports triathlon, well, get them behind it. Um, and, and yeah, sometimes you might pay a slight premium. And Bevan and I, as Bevan said, we're tight asses. If you've yeah. got to pay three times as much to support yeah, somebody, don't, don't do it. But at least give them the, the opportunity to consider um, just, just, Check it out because um, it makes a massive difference for the events that I run. You know, in terms of the athletes' entry fees, it's you know it, it'll be significantly more if I didn't have these sponsors. So, get on it and support the guys, and then they see that they're getting some see, return uh, as well. Oh, you've got the approval stamp from the Department of Conservation on here, John. I yeah, and that's a big cost to buddy be going over conservation land. I tell you that for nothing. How much of a land? There's only about three k you're going over as well, isn't mm. it? But it's it's also and you've got to get the consent and you've got to go through all the um, rigmarole. So I've got a ten year consent to basically go on the land, but you've okay. got to go through a lot of stuff to get that. Pretty painful, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, they're just ticking ticking all the yeah, boxes, yeah, making sure you don't screw it up. Yep. And um, yeah, but it's it's a beautiful race. So if you're in Christchurch and you're not on it, you've got about a day to get your entry in. Okay, get on it, guys. John Boat, you never goss. What are you putting up here? Uh, I'm just trying to. I was trying to Netflix. Yeah. Have oh. you watched that program, The Push? No. Oh, I was going to slag off some. We watched two movies at the weekend. One of them was terrible, uh, and so I went on to your. What's your rating thing? IMDb. Yeah. What, what's your What's your minimum? I'd go seven. Yeah, this one I think it was six point seven or six point eight. God, it was passable. What was it called? Oh, that's what I'm trying to just remember what it was. It was sort of a romancey sort of one. My God, it was terrible. Uh, I watched three billboards from Missouri or whatever it was. That's been all the talk. Which I didn't love as much as I thought. You know, everyone's been raving about it. I thought it was good, but not raveable. Mm. Do, you get, do you get a history or anything here or not? Uh, watch again. Something go down. Maybe go down your page. Watch again. It was not even that noteworthy. I was just trying to watch quickly. the push. Okay, so the push. Deer and Brown. Have you heard of Deer and Brown? Yeah, I've been to. Yeah, probably is like a mentalist kind of guy. Yeah, yeah I went to him in concert somewhere, oh, somewhere was, in the UK. Was he great? He does like he, we can read the phone book and tell you what number you have yeah. for R and stuff. Well, he, he's done a yeah. show called The Push, and it's brilliant. It's only on. It's been released on Netflix like last week. Joe and I watched it, and uh, basically he's trying to see if he gets people to kill people. Right. And the whole idea of the premise of the show is, by the end of the show, can I get this person to push somebody off a building? Mm-hmm. And because he does all this social manipulation stuff. Mind blowing, John. Mm-hmm. Mind blowing. You must watch it. I highly recommend everyone watch it, John. Because he's done a couple of other shows in the past which are really good, but this one was. You, you, you go, I've got a joke for you, Bevan. Okay, go we joke. Go. Here we go. Here we go. So there's a. <laughs> maybe, maybe use, maybe use joke of the week. <laughs> Joke of the week. So there's a there's a hypnotist and he's he's doing a Darren Brown. He's standing. Is he a hypnotist as well? He does it all. Yeah. So he's a hypnotist. He's standing up in front of a crowd and uh, and he manages to hypnotise the whole crowd. Yeah. And so he's got them just in the palm of his hands and he's sort of saying, right, would you all to bark like dogs? And so they they all bark, bark, bark like dogs. So he says, bark like dogs. So he says, uh, hop on one feet. One, well, hop on one foot. Um, and then he says. Uh, 
slap the person next to you on the face. And then he then he's on the stage and he gets tangled up in his microphone and he falls over and he says, Shit! <laughs> <laughs> That's why we lost Joker of the Week. <laughs> there you go. It's gold. Oh, oh, Joker of the Week. <laughs> it's gold. Oh, that's probably what's been our worst segment. That's probably been the worst segment. Mm. Yeah. It was the cookbook. The cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> what about, okay, you have a goss? Uh, the goss, I've, I'm waiting for my text messages to start going crazy here What's because that? it's zone swimming sports today. Oh, so in, in New Zealand and certainly in Christchurch, yeah. you have your school swimming sports, and if you get in your top two or three there, you then zones. you get to go to zones. Do you know, John? You get in your top two I went to zone swimming sports. Did you? Yeah, that was God knows how I got to zone swimming yeah. sports. And then you got to get if you get in the top couple of these zones, then you go through to the regional championships. No, that's what happened. I never swam. And backstroke in my school, I won backstroke. Mm-hmm. Then I went to zones, and I managed to get to the Canterburys. Oh, and God knows how. Like God knows how. Yeah. Went to the Canterburys, John. I was lapped. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to so say. Wait, it's, it's, it's Thomas me. is doing freestyle and backstroke, so I'm waiting for my phone to start going hot, and uh, we'll see how. What's he, goes. he hoping for? Well, he th- he thinks he's best. Ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to hit smash yeah. in the face of reality. Yeah, he is. That's a good. That's a good thing about these. If your kids think they're king of the castle, <laughs> they go to these things. Did he win they, at school? Did he? He won his backstroke and got second in freestyle. Oh, funny. How far did they swim? 50. Oh, mm. Where are they doing that? Uh, Jelly Park. Is it a 50 metre pool? 25. Oh, so do there was a dilemma. Do a tumble turn or not, Dad? Do a tumble turn or not? And he's not very good at tumble turns yet. Oh, mate, so don't don't do it. Just touch and push off hard. Mm. So that's the excitement today. And then see the sky at the weekend. And then that's my events for the summer done and dusted. And uh, get to relax for a little bit. Mm. I'm sure you won't. I won't. No. Bevan, what's happening in your How world? How you relax, John? I'm an active relaxer. Don't sit around doing things. I know you said Joe does her ironing. I need to be do I feel good at a weekend when I've mowed the lawns, done some weeding, cleaned the pool, got everything sorted, and I can sit down at the end of the day. Sitting down doesn't do much for me. No, no. No. Bevan, what's happening? Went to Australia. I had oh, a yes. big weekend in Australia. Mm-hmm. I went to Perth. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And then I went to New Zealand. Nice. <laughs> and it was actually quite cool because um, I had... Lots of if you're on my Facebook page. Nice. What? You're not listening I've, to I've, me. No, I've got a picture picture of uh, Thomas going into the swimming pool. Okay, he's standing go. next to this ginormous uh, City Sky Challenge. City Sky Challenge. Marketing's out there. Where is it? Did you say Jelly Park? Yes. It's a pretty big picture you got there, John. I know. I'm, I'm very, I did not know that that was there. The council sponsor it, so oh. that's great. Um, back to me. Yes. Focus. Yeah. <laughs> Focus. Yeah. What, did I, what did I do on the weekend, John? You went to Australia. Oh, good to see you. And where did I go? You went everywhere. <laughs> and then you came back to New Zealand. You went to Perth and you went to Melbourne, um, Sydney. See, team, see, see what's happened there. Got body attack. Yeah, but I went to Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane. Body attack 100. Yep. It's going to be the last one ever. It's going to be the last time you see a lot of these people. Uh, so you're really quite unsure about but when you're well, going to see Well done, next. well done. Because it's last week's listening. That does prove you do listen to me. I'm proud of you. Comprehension. Uh, yes, so that was kind of cool. Anything funny happened in Australia, John? Anything funny happen in Australia? Here's a challenge. Yeah, okay, here we go. Do you still get go? I know you don't probably, but but the, back in the day, we used to go for the many multiple meals in one flight. You just, I, I haven't asked for a long time. I go for the multiple cokes. Right. Yeah. And John, luckily, because I'm a Z grade celebrity, mm. pretty much every flight I go on, I know a flighty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nice. There's always a flighty that I know, mm-hmm. and flighties are good when they know you because they tend to look after you. Yeah. You know, like last night on Sunday night when it's on the plane coming home. Friday come up to me, all drinks finished. She goes, do you want an extra drink? 
Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he even remember he was looking, oh, yeah, give me an extra. You made it. Yeah. You made it. I made it. Yeah. Um, been to, went, went for a walk around Perth. Mm-hmm. And they had one of those flying planes. Did you go to the Warriors? No, but I tell you what, did you watch the Warriors? So it was a good weekend of sport because. Oh, no, let's not mention the cricket. Now, the Poms. <sighs> Poms, we, we were giving you a hard time. You smashed us. Yeah. But what's happening with your rugby team? <laughs> But there's, uh, can't get much better weekend of sport when the English rugby team lose and the Australian cricket team just lost as well. Yes. So that's like, we're not even involved and we're, yeah, and we're, we're happy. happy. <laughs> but on top of that, the Warriors won. And team, the Warriors are the most frustrating team ever to watch in, in sport. And New Zealand sports teams in mm. Australian leagues tend to not do that well other than our basketball team. Mm. But... The Warriors won. And John, did you watch the game? I did not. Was, they played like, it's, you're going, this is yeah. <laughs> I watched this weekend, they'll lose by 30 points. Oh, that's the thing, they're frustrating. But, so when I'm going, so I, I wasn't in Perth. I would have gone mm. if I was in Perth when they played. Mm. The day, I was Perth Friday, Adelaide Saturday. So, but when I was in Perth, I was staying right across the road from where the Adelaide basketball team was playing their semi-final to get into right. the final. So they were playing the 36ers and, 36 is one for buzzer beater at the end. Apparently, it was a pretty mm. exciting game. But the next day on the plane, these boys were on the plane with me. Mm. And it made me realize, right, John, I would not want to be a tall person. Traveling, no. Oh, my God. They were like, they literally, I got an extra exit row seat. And so, I'm not sure how you managed that, but I did. And so, most of the guys, but some of them weren't. But just getting on the plane, they're, they're bending over like, like a letter L. When I, the one or two times that I've flown, managed to get upgrade to business class, one was coming back from Hawaii and the, um, what's that professional basketball team from the States that kind of do the, oh, the tricks? Um, the, um, the um, yeah, they dun, were dun, on a bike and like dun, dun, a few of them were up in business class there and so they could land out, but the rest were back in cattle class. They'd be uh, miserable. John, here's a question for you. Who's the famous, most famous person you've ever seen in real life? And not at a concert, not where you've gone yep. to see them somewhere. No, it's, it's, it's my standard Tour de France, Cheryl Crow story. Oh, that is true. That is, that yeah. is it. Cheryl Crow's pretty big. Mm. Mine's probably Jamie Oliver. Mm. I saw him walking down the street one day. Well, you didn't actually meet him or anything like that. I said hello. Yeah. Yeah, he came up to me. Yeah, you go for my own talk? I said, yeah, yeah. Jamie, that's me, yeah. Yeah. Because you said in the car, didn't you? Yeah. But you didn't know it was her. No, I didn't. That's foolish. We're going to get Gordon Ramsay. We're going to meet Gordon Ramsay. I'm not a Gordon Ramsay fan, but um, that could happen. Yeah, that could. Well, I'm sure we can make that work. Mm. Um, Rubber padding, I think, enough. There, enough. No, I'm just trying to any other famous people. Who would you want? Okay. Who would you want to meet? Oh, goodness, Bevan. Have you watched the Letterman series on Netflix? No. Oh, he's got some really good interviews. There's one of Obama's really cool. But Obama, who, there you go. I reckon Obama would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Mm. Bama would be pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go Bama. What, maybe what we'll do, we'll invite because he's coming to New Zealand with John Key. Oh, yeah. We'll invite him over for the show. We'll bo- bo- both of them down. Come on down. Come on down, boys. Mm. New Zealand will look after it. They're sponsoring mm. it. Us taxpayers. Mm. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. I'm in, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.